Hey everybody and welcome along to this week's edition of the Irish Golfer Podcast brought to you as always in association with KPMG. Peter Finnan here and joined by John Craven. How are you Peter? Good, good. Now and yourself? Very good now. Great to be back again after again, a long yeah. weekend. Stop. Lovely. Yeah, no Monday pod this week. So there was a fair bit of golf going on though. There was like for, I know things are starting to taper off a little bit now. You're starting to breathe a bit now. You're not covering as much but. Yeah, that was kind of the last big weekend with um, a lot of like Q school and different permutations and Europro finishing up and this and that. Um, not a lot of good news stories for Irish golf, but there was definitely one. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get on to the Euro Pro Tour stuff and all that in a bit. But yeah, definitely the biggest news of the week was John Murphy securing his Challenge Tour card like after six months only as a pro to kick on and do that. So we uh, literally just off the phone from John um, before we press record on this. So we'll give that a spin. And here's the chat we had with John there a while ago. John Murphy, how are you? Great, thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah, all good, all good. It's been a, a whirlwind few weeks for you. Yeah, yeah, it has. Uh, yeah, still kind of just trying to trying to uh, let everything digest a bit, and uh, I suppose analyze what's what's going on. And um, yeah, I suppose from here on, it's kind of a matter of trying to uh, point out areas of improvement. And so, yeah, there's just a lot of reflection going on right now, and, and seeing what I can do better moving into next year. We'll get into all that improvement stuff now in a minute. The one thing everyone wants to know is how did you get on to the Jazz Festival? I know you were talking to John Craven last week. You were on your <laughs> way home. He's sitting here opposite me, chuckling away, laughing. So were you able to keep up with the lads? Uh, no, no, I don't think I'll ever be able to keep up with my friends again. But uh, no, we had a great time, in fairness. There was a, you know, it was just great to be to be back out and to see people I haven't seen in a while. And there was a great atmosphere um, up, in, up in Cork. So yeah, it was certainly, certainly a lot of fun. It was freedom day, sure. It was absolutely mental up here in Dublin. The queue for coppers, I think, was about four kilometers long. Um, I heard that, right? Yeah. Did it feel yeah, right. was Cork back to normal? Uh, yeah, I mean the queues were very, very long. Um, yeah, a bit excessive, all right. But uh, yeah, certainly. I mean, just being able to even just sit around a table with your with your friends and not be worrying about oh, we're getting kicked out in, in an hour or so or, you know, because of, of the restrictions, you know, there was uh, there was none of that. So it was nice to just kind of have a bit of freedom and just be able to do things as we as we used to, I guess, just sit around having, having, a, having a laugh and whatnot. And was it the same old or all of a sudden is John Murphy a big deal now about the Jazz Festival? A lot of selfies going on and stuff like that. Uh, no, it wasn't too bad, to be fair. We, uh, no, I, I mean, I, I said to my friends that, you know, no matter... <laughs> If I was to to never play golf again, or no matter how I did in the game of golf, I, I don't want anything to change. And uh, yeah. you know, they're they're good at kind of bringing me back down to earth. When when I sit around the table with them, they'll, they yeah, they're not afraid to give me a bit of abuse still, which is great. <laughs> keep you grounded, keep you grounded. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. It is great. Yeah. So how so on the weekend? Like obviously, you missed the cut in the challenge tour. Did that mean a nervous wait with the road to Mallorca stuff, or how did you feel about your status? Then? Um, yeah, it it didn't dawn on me to be honest. I I kind of figured all right, I'm two shots inside the or I'm two spots inside the top seventy. It kind of didn't dawn on me until I had actually missed the cut that okay, this might actually be a a, a nervy little wait here because I looked at the leaderboard after I'd missed the cut and I saw that there was like five or six people that could have jumped me. Yeah. Um, on the rankings, so yeah, certainly that would have been a that would have been a tough way to finish what was otherwise a you know a, a very enjoyable season but um no thankfully held on and and uh got the full challenge card for next year it's been a mental season for you john like as in 
the amount of events that you've had to play when you look back and I know you're taking a good like a long earned break and a rest now but like when you look at condensing like pretty much an amateur and a professional season into the eight nine months that you've condensed it into it's it's been tough on the body I'd say yeah yeah it has but that's that's great to know I suppose moving forward that you know if you're smart about it and um I suppose if you manage yourself well that it's possible to play good golf in the midst of a very busy schedule you know it's uh, I suppose it is easy to look at it as an excuse if you're if you're not playing well if you're tired but I mean that's no excuse because I was able to play well the week before I missed the cut you know I was able to I was able to finish third it was actually probably the best golf I played all year you know um, that week I didn't obviously didn't get the results I was looking for I would have liked to finish a couple of spots higher but uh, I certainly you know I played great I didn't make too many mistakes um, and yeah so it's that gives me a lot of confidence going forward that, you know, if I am on my fifth or sixth week in a row, that there's no reason at all why I can't play well. You know your stats better than anybody, right? And when we look at your stats, like, they're all so readily available in the professional game since you've turned pro. Um, and you look at the, like, the scoring averages that you've pumped in over the last two months have been phenomenal. Like, did you, do you feel you've really... I know you, you don't like to talk about transitioning into the pro ranks or anything like that, that you've brought your same game in. But from the outside looking in, it seems your scoring averages have jumped since you've hit the professional ranks. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe. I suppose amateur golf as well, you know, you do play a lot of difficult golf courses. Uh, you know, you play tournaments where if you finish level pair, you could have a... Over in college in America, is a little bit different. The courses are a little bit easier, but I certainly noticed back home, you know, if you're playing events... Uh, and you finish around the level power mark that can obviously or th- yeah th- that can often um have you very high up the leaderboard so uh certainly i have found the courses to be a little bit more lenient uh so far but um yeah at the same time it's just it, it's it's you against the the golf course really in the end of the day i try not to not to really think about my competition and who i'm coming up against because as i said if you can play good golf no matter where you are you'll be okay so um, John, like so many of us, I guess you graduated college without a job. Um, all of a sudden now, from 12 starts, you, you have yourself a nice cushy number next year in the Challenge Tour, which is great. Um, yeah. But no, you must be sad. Like looking at lads around you on the road to Mallorca, then like there's lads who've played 20 times, 20 plus times. You've played 12 times. You knew you had no Q school going up or coming up. So it must be pretty satisfying to like get the job done in such a short space of time. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, and I, I did kind of go in with the approach that, you know, I, <laughs> with no Q school, you know, I, I, I did kind of come to terms with the fact that all right, I could get to a few months time here, and you're not going to have a status for next year, and we'll have to kind of reanalyze because it was, you know, a, a very likely scenario if you don't finish in the top seventy, um, then you know you're probably not going to have a very good status for next year, and that was a, a realization that kind of hit me but um no thankfully i kind of put all that to the to the back of my mind as the season was going on and i had some really important you know for example it, it wasn't just like you know that third place finish it was there was a couple of events there like out in denmark i shot i think i went from like 35th to 11th in the last round you know one good round or to 10th even and then out in germany the same again i went from 40th to 11th in the last round i think i shot 65 the last day on a pretty tough course so um, you know, it was there was a lot of kind of things that went my way as the season went on because obviously you need that when you're playing off a limited schedule. So yeah, it's certainly nice now being able to to have full reign next year and uh, play as many challenge events as I want. 
it's one thing in the weekly coverage we do here, be it in print or digital or on the pod here with myself and John, that we're looking at, and like a lot of the damage you do to these events and to these tournaments are on Sundays, which speaks volumes, I suppose, about your mindset. But the, the margins are, are so fine. Like I, I read you speaking to some of our colleagues about it as well. Like, you know, you don't eagle that last hole in Emporta. You've no challenge tour card. You birdie the driveable part tent in St. Andrews. You have a full European tour card. Like, there's serious ups and downs in this game, isn't there? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like, there's so many different ways to look at it. You know, I'm. Uh, that's why the more thinking you do sometimes, the more detrimental it can be because it's just that there are genuinely so many ways of looking at it. As you said, you know, I could have easily had a full European tour card next year and I could have easily had no status anywhere next year. So, um, yeah, I suppose just to have somewhere to to base myself and to to have a schedule in place for next year will be very important. And yeah, I'm um, yeah, I'm looking forward to trying to to finish in that top twenty next year and get myself onto the main tour as quick as I can. Just in terms of that fickleness, John, like it, as you, Pete was saying, like yeah, you don't really talk about changing things from amateur to pro and that. But one thing you did take on was a sports psychologist, Fergal or Fergus Wallace. Um, you yeah, you've all come across as like a really level kind of a guy anyway. Like what has he added to your mental arsenal, I suppose, that wasn't there before? Um, I, to be honest, like I, I think I have a lot of learning to do on, on that side of the game, you know, just in terms of it's very easy to to think that you know everything in this game. And I, I, I have always thought that my uh, mental approach to the game has been relatively good, but um, I... You know, as I said, I don't want to leave any stone left unturned. He's been very good. Just uh, inter- it's it's often the very small things, the very small bits of advice. You know, I shot, I think, three over in the first round out in Germany when I came 11th, which was a big finish at the time. And uh, I shot three over in the first round and or maybe I shot four over. Sorry. And the cut was around the even one over mark. And I remember I talked in the morning of the second round and uh, yeah, I just kind of went out and made the cut in the number that afternoon. And, you know, it's, it's often just the small things like that, just a quick 15 minute conversation. And that that's all I needed to kind of flip a switch. And um, yeah, certainly it's been, it's been going well so far. Is it, what, what exactly is that? Is that like positive, like power reinforcement? Is it, like mental exercise like a, a two minute reflection meditation kind of thing like what what kind of triggers is he giving you to be able to mid round like go from kind of disaster to actually yeah flip the switch on back um yeah i suppose again in in this game it's so easy to think about you know the putts you miss the you know the bad shots you hate and uh that's again just kind of bringing out negative energy into your game that you you really don't need. So most of the conversations that uh, sorry, pretty much every conversation I've had with him so far has been very upbeat and uh, you know just all kind of p- positive conversation and positive thinking and um, you know reflecting on all the good shots I hit in in rounds gone by is uh, is something that's helped me a lot. And yeah, I suppose if you're in a if you're in a good mental space in this game, it makes it a lot easier. So. Um, it's been very good in that regard. John, you know where your game is more than anybody. You know that like you've you've gone toe to toe now with the best in the amateur ranks. You've stood up on the challenge tour. You've you've done really well. European tour event at the Dunhill and in Spain as well. How would you rate where your game is now, evolution wise in uh, in in your own game? I suppose where where are you at with it right now? Um, yeah, I certainly feel like I'm. I'm a lot sharper uh, now than what I have been in the past. You know, I feel like I'm, 
I feel like my all-round game is improving. Um, every aspect of it pretty much is is gradually getting better, I feel. Uh, you know, I feel like there are still uh, some aspects of my game that there there is work to be done with, and that makes me excited for uh, for going forward. But yeah, certainly I, I do feel as though right now my game's in a pretty good place. Um, you know, I've... I've gone through some things before where, you know, my grip's gotten a bit strong and stuff like that. And uh, it does take, uh, I suppose, when you bring it to the course and you make these these little changes or tweaks, it can be very uncomfortable. But just sticking to it and trusting it is something I think I've done very well recently. You know, I, my, my grip didn't feel didn't feel comfortable for about a year, uh, at least after I changed it. So um, just sticking to it and trusting it and uh yeah just i suppose trusting the process as they say was something that i did a great job of i think and uh yeah hopefully i can continue to keep all that in, in check you've learned a lot you seem to evolve quite you adapt quite well to whatever uh, surround. i know golf is golf you golf your ball in the least number of shots and you can simplify it in that way but you you've definitely adapted like what have you taken from the pro ranks since you were in more most notably somewhere like dunhill the the experience you had there like you're not going to get a bigger stage to and I know talking to Paul Dunn before and his learning experiences when he was leading the open and stuff like that like it it's not quite that stage but it was very very close but like he he'd done a lot of learning that day when he lost that tournament and uh, it helped him get his European tour win and make a nice little career for himself yeah absolutely yeah um so I suppose having yourself in that environment is is great and you know one thing that i definitely took from that was like all the time when i was growing up watching people on tv i was like she's how do the professional golfers do it how do you like they tee up on a sunday in the last group like when you're that nervous like you know you're nervous watching them how do they how do they like manage to perform under that uh, under that kind of uh level of of pressure but th- that's one thing i've noticed is well to be honest i first kind of learned it a bit at the walker cup was that you know the nerves the night before and everything and that first tee shot you're like oh that's this is um this is going to be very very difficult to try and uh, control yourself in these circumstances but it's it's just the build up makes you nervous and then once you stand on the first tee i've found now once i stood on that first tee box it's as if i'm just you know going out playing as a 15 year old in wednesday singles again it's i just felt so comfortable and so uh i suppose yeah content in that environment and that gave me a lot of confidence that you know i know that if i find myself in that situation obviously things didn't work out that day uh on on the sunday in st andrews but i know that that had nothing to do with me you know crumbling under pressure or feeling as though i uh i was under too much pressure because i wasn't i felt as comfortable as i ever have in a golf course so it was simply just a matter of hitting you know hitting a couple of bad shots coming in and uh so that's just a matter of me having to improve my game as as a matter of having to improve how i handle those situations so, like, you have a wintering season ahead of you now. You're after going through. So, do you think with the the status your game is in now and what you're looking into, like, is there a do you tweak with things between now and the off season, or do you think your game as it is now, like, is it good enough to win? Do you think on the European tour? Um, yeah, I don't think. Like, I think I have a very good idea of what I do need to improve in my game, and um, yeah, I, I think that with you know doing a bit of work uh over the winter will certainly try and just uh will try to ingrain what i've been doing the last few months uh in, into my game even further because um yeah I, I suppose we have seen improvements but not to the extent that that i would like so i'm just gonna gonna try and keep working on what i've been working on and keep bringing a few of these uncomfortable feelings to the golf course because i know i can play well with them so um yeah i suppose just uh trying to 
trying to sharpen up really is, is something I'm going to do over over winter. You know, not not trying to make any drastic changes or anything. Just trying to sharpen what I have. And I'm very much so of the opinion that once you get to a to, to a certain level, I suppose it's a matter of improving what you have as opposed to trying to trying to adjust and change things. So yeah, certainly I'll be trying to just Im- improve what I have in place now and and see see how that or see where that takes me. Does it surprise you a little that the game that you had from the amateur ranks and, and came so quick that does it take a while to trust and believe that that's good enough to win on the European or the Challenge Tour or to get close to winning? Does that does that surprise you a little as as an elite ham even because it's always this sort of aspirational thing that you want to do and kick on to the next level? Um, not really. Like it, it is a bit surreal when you're in that environment because as much as you know that the differences between the best in the world and the people who never make a living off golf is so like it, it's not as big as you think it is and I, as much as I knew that I was still a bit taken back by being in the in the same environment as you know some of the best players in the world but like at the same time I played in college with you know some of some people who are doing really well now um, out on tour you know the likes of Colin Marikawa and uh, even Min Woo Lee, who's getting top 50 in the world now, I think, and players like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Victor Hovland, you know, it just shows that the the gaps are so small between, you know, the people who are playing Ryder Cups now and the people who, who aren't. So, um, yeah, I, I certainly have a good understanding for that, that it, the, the gaps are so minute and it's just a matter of trying to fill those gaps. And you were literally saying to me actually last week about like your old sparring partner, Matthias Schmidt, and he was tied 11th there at the New York Open again, looking kind of on course for his European Tour card fully now. You've literally had that bar to like aspire to or whatever the whole way through your college career, and it's just continued, it seems, like it and inspired that confidence in you, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, just playing with him every day, and uh, you know, he was certainly a great teammate to be around and very helpful. and um yeah just a, a great person to spend time with and certainly learned a lot off him over the few years you know obviously when I went to college I certainly was by no means uh I, you know I wasn't a, a world beater by any means I'd won a, co- a couple of events over here in Ireland but hadn't done anything to the extent that he had in the game so it was great to be able to to learn and get better and then by the time it got to our third and fourth year I felt as though we were able to compete on a day-to-day basis which I really enjoyed and um yeah certainly you know Having having somebody like Matthias to play with it can only do do well for your game. Myself and Pete were chatting before we got on. Um, I don't know what your answer would be, but we were saying, is the season ending at a good time for you? Now, I know you're absolutely knackered. So I was saying, absolutely, like you're staring into whatever, a couple of months off, obviously work in that, and then like aim towards the schedule next year. But just the way golf is, like Pete was saying, you might love just two weeks off and get straight back into like if a nice stretch of events if it was possible like do you have any any feelings yeah. on that you're probably no yeah, like i am but at the same time i was uh, it, as i said it's no excuse to not continue to play good golf while you are retired i mean you know i was i was um certainly pl- playing some of the best golf of my life a couple of weeks ago so you know had there been another few weeks i don't know would it have been good to try to continue to kind of ride that wave or would it be better to just now take a bit of time to analyze and uh, assess because uh yeah i know i, said, I know I'm, you've I'm been talking forward. to paul mcginley there by saying riding that wave no i haven't that's a pure mcginley saying that now. ride that wave 
<laughs> no, no, Paul, Paul was great to me in fairness and, and sent me a text and, uh, you know, he was very helpful to us around the time of the, time of the uh, Walker Cup and I, I know he does love, uh, he does love the term momentum, but no, he didn't say anything like that to me. He was just very, <laughs> very, uh, very nice to me about it. So, but no, um, yeah, I, I think, I think now is a good time for me to do a bit of reflection and to, you know, try and uh, now that I have uh, a category to to work off next year that I can, I suppose, plan and, uh, you know, have a much more clear understanding of when I can take time to work on my game and when I will be competing next year. So, um, yeah, I, I think now is a good time to do all that and sort out the logistics and uh, see what we can put in plan for next year. This is probably an unfair question to ask of a man who might be like struggling with a hangover after uh, a long <laughs> weekend or whatever. But I know Harrington said at one stage that um, like if you want to make it as a pro golfer on tour, you can't winter in Ireland. You're back home in Kinsale, probably enjoying home comforts for the first time in ages. Have you thought, like, what, what is your plan for winter? Have you um, decided yet? No, but I, I'll certainly be, uh, I'll certainly be doing some practice elsewhere. Um, you know, obviously, there's the the Challenge Tour, European Tour schedule hasn't come out yet, so no plans for that yet. But I mean, I'll probably be going abroad, whether that be Dubai or Florida or somewhere in the next few months. Um, I'll probably go down and try and get some work in there and work on my game in in some better weather. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's it's not like the I I still feel as though I can get work done while while I'm here at home. But obviously, it, it does help having. Uh, having the good weather and having the facilities uh, abroad as well. Looking into next year as well, John, on, again, it's a bit, it's, it's, I don't know, is it an awkward question or not, but um, on the caddy situation, like Shane worked really well with you for those few events. You took on a local then at the Dunhill and uh, were quite successful with that. Is the caddy situation, because I know talking to a few guys when they, jump onto a tour that they have a schedule on they like to have someone on the bag that knows the golf courses knows where to go knows all that so is, is that something you're looking at closely for next year as in employing a professional caddy for the year or do you know what you're going to do on that side well the challenger schedule i suppose changes every year so i mean the, the only reason that uh, i got the local caddy at the Dunhill was because shane and i when we go to events we play a couple of practice rounds before it and you know then when it gets to you know i always like to go to events on the monday so i'll get two full practice rounds in normally before i tee it up on the on the uh thursday so i think the fact that uh we have a very good understanding now of what works well for us at events uh, literally the only reason over at the Dunhill was that w- I could only play obviously one practice round per course so I wasn't going to know the course as well enough to the point where I could stand up on the first team and be confident in my uh, and, and trust myself and Shane's ability to to know you know exact lines especially when you're playing in wind like that and things can change so you know uh, Stevie who I got over there had seen that he'd been to the Dunhill multiple times and he knew the course as well and um that was literally the only reason for for the adjustment that week but that's obviously a once off on tour you know there's no real events like that uh on the on the challenge tour so i suppose now there's i I think there's going to be a few events in south africa at the start of next year and you know there'll be a few new golf courses and stuff so um i don't think uh yeah i think shane and i have a very good understanding of what we need to do to to best prepare for events so i'm looking forward to continuing to do that with him next year we're just wondering because it's one less podcast for us to worry about, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you're telling me there's no talk birdie to me for Jan, Feb, March. 
<laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, I, I told him he's not allowed to recruit for podcasts or anything. When he's out <laughs> this is it's the new McElroy Harry Diamond going on here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, here a quick one for you, right? We let you go now in a second. Yeah, um, no problem, yeah. Like you've banked well over hundred grand now. I know it's not nice to talk about money, right? For the first the last yeah. few months as a pro. So the like of Shane Lowry looked after his granny with his first decent paycheck. I know Dunner bought a huge telly when he was living with uh, he was living with Gary Hurley and Jack O'Hume there in the K Club for a while when he got his first. So what did you do with your first decent paycheck? You have to have done something. Uh, <laughs> I paid a I paid a parking fine out in Madrid my first day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I haven't bought anything nice for myself yet, but I think, you know, it's a bit of advice I have got off a couple of people to, you know, buy yourself something nice. So I think I'll, I'll, uh, look into it now that I'm home. I might buy myself something. I'm not sure what yet, but obviously with, uh, you know, I don't need a car because Finberg Alvin limited out in Bandon is obviously, um, providing me with the best wheels around there. So I certainly <laughs> don't need a, I, I don't need a car by any means. And, uh, I, I think, I think I might buy myself a nice watch or something, but I'll decide now in the next couple of weeks. You should get on to Mitchell. Like, I know you signed a lot of uh, sponsorship deals. You didn't have a status when you signed a lot of them, but hopefully Mitchell has performance-based uh, contingency built in with a few few extra yeah. zeros here based on your trajectory. No, I have to give I have to give Emma right, my manager, some credit for that. She's been um, Emma Driscoll has been incredible this year. You know, in terms of having everything put in front of me, she's made life very easy for me this year. I didn't realize uh, how much of a difference it actually made having a manager because it's certainly something I wouldn't have been able to do myself. You know, with all the flights and the rental cars and everything, so she's been, she's been great, and uh, yeah, hopefully she can continue to, to make life as easy for me. She just needs to get AP or Rolex or Omega on the hook. That's yeah. it, and then her job. Is exactly, done. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, John, listen, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Really appreciate you giving up your time. I know you, the man sitting across from me here, John Craven. You give him a lot of your time during the year as well. So thanks a million for everything. Yeah, no panic at all. Thanks very much for having me on. Nice little bit of insight there. Class, yeah. I couldn't imagine how anxious I'd feel on a session at the Jazz Festival, refreshing my phone to see if I had a job next year like that. <laughs> Between, like, saxophone solos. I'm still 69, still 69. But, yeah, delighted. I know, it's brilliant. To do it off so few starts, like, you've talked about it before, like, the timing of um, a guy turning pro. Like, if you turn pro and you happen to be playing well for those seven invites that you yeah. get... Like, that is the difference between making it and not. Um, and getting a few quid in the bank. Like, to get, you know, he, he's now, so John has kicked on. He's probably passed 20 pros that have turned pro in the last five years um, in Ireland. He's in just overtaken money, them. In like. turn, well, not just the money, the status and getting a pure oh, yeah. card and being able to have a schedule. Like, there's very few Irish guys now can plan a schedule on either the main tour or the challenge tour next year. Yeah, no, 100%. It makes all the difference. No, we'll talk a bit about Mallorca in a bit and, like, lads who were going the other way in terms mm. of status. Um, it's great to have him nailed down and he's talked about it being an apprenticeship before. I think it's a... Like, yes, it would have been a brilliant thing if he got his European tour card, obviously, but I don't think it's a bad thing to have a full challenge tour card and, oh. like, learn the ropes that way. I believe he'll kick on. Like, I, 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 I think he, he'll be there for one season and he'll, he'll progress on. I think he's that type of player. Mm, and he, yeah, and like the whole like cliche golf is like one with the six inches between the years at that level. But for like him in particular, it seems like a real weapon. His mindset that other lads like you kind of either have it, or you don't. He seems to have it when the like pressure really intensifies. He comes good. He said it there about 
the Dunhill, like he he was he felt like it was a, a Wednesday medal or something. Is that what he said? Like he was he's just as casual as anything about it. It's brilliant. It's savage to hear. But and you were looking at the schedule as well, so it looked like I don't know do we have a definitive in this, but you think he gets into the Byron Nelson as a pro. He said this. Yeah, so he I messaged him about it because there was a lot of lads wondering why he wasn't in last year. Yeah. Um but and he would have been an amateur for it. And um, he just said that he was offered to get in as a pro, so it was a no-brainer. So that's he can actually get a chunk of money. Like, so. so that's May or June this year, isn't it? Or next yeah, year? Yeah, May 2022. So, yeah, didn't ask him that. But, yeah, like, he's he's confirmed it before. But, yeah, yeah as you say, like, that's one week. To, Jesus, top <laughs> 10 there. God knows where your career goes. <laughs> New gaff. Yeah, honest <laughs> to God. Yeah. The last thing I was thinking about when I was graduating college was buying a house. But there you go. <laughs> Um, please God No fair play to him he, He's just a sound lad he's, As you said at the end He's been really generous With his time for us And yeah we'll, we'll catch up with him again Before the year is out I'm sure I'd say he's Like half thing himself Like what, what am I going to do With myself Like figuring it out It's his first Going into his first full season First winter as a pro Like this is my job All of a sudden Like it would take some Getting used to it To actually plot it And do it right But yeah, and to have a few quid in the bank to actually do it right now over the mm. winter, not be worried about A to B to C, just literally where's where's the best tournament golf that I can just stay sharp, keep sharp, work on a few things and grind. Yeah. Because the challenge tour doesn't kick off till like February. Yeah, exactly. So, Still waiting on the schedule, so yeah. yeah, no, it's a, it's bloody exciting. It's and he gets some main tour starts. He will get a few invites. Yeah. Oh, he'd have to, and uh, yeah, even in the meantime, like once the full schedule's out, as you say, uh, maybe South Africa or somewhere like that could be a pretty cool place to go first out the gate. And in just uh, to round up on Challenge Tour, because um, like Michael Hovey was still competing, he's into the grand final, top 45, make it. Yeah, he made it from 39th, so we still have a bit of interest in that. Uh, I think it starts November 4th. Yeah, um, so yeah, um, no, well done to John. No, that's it. Well, Mallorca then, we'll get on to the main European Tour. So we had four starters there this week um, on the European Tour. Bit of mixed bag. Uh, you know, Caldwell and Sharvin made the cut. I think Johnny, yeah. Johnny Caldwell had the last round 80 to drop him back. I think he propped up the field. But strange thing actually looking at that one. I've never noticed this before. It must be just COVID and this season. Everyone in the field got paid. So I was looking, I seen... Um, Dunner and Niall Kearney missed, both missed a cut, so Niall Kearney only missed by a shot. We'll get into that in a minute. But, um, yeah, they, they all got a grand each for it. That's a really positive move, and I hope that stays. Yeah, I wonder if it's, uh, like, a reaction to COVID, like a kind of a, not a hand-me-out, but, like, a def- like playing golf on that tour is expensive. Oh, yeah. Like a grand is nothing, like. Yeah, exactly. It probably doesn't cover half your week. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it softens the blow a bit, and it's nice to see especially given like they're playing for pittance relative to what it was a couple of years ago. So it's the least I think they can do. But um, yeah, so Paul Dunn, he showed signs. He 67 in the first round, threw in a 76 in the second round. Disappointed, missed a cut by a few, but like, I don't know. I, I, I really hope he just keeps finding more of those rounds of 67 and can start backing them up. Like when I was looking at it, like Dunner hasn't made a world ranking point since September 2019, which is frightening. Yeah, that's pretty damning, isn't it? It's hard to know what the story is. Is it mental? Is it physical? Like he's had the the injury with the wrists and stuff that seemed to just jog on and on and on when you would have thought it'd be solved. It's yeah, it's crazy to think like he was literally just like you had him picked as a man who was going to be on tour for the next twenty years when he won the British Masters even yeah, before. Absolutely. Every week was a, a sizable check. 
But talking about the money and all, like he does have money on his side, I'd imagine even still, despite this bad run, that he can't play himself out of it without being under too much pressure. Like, it's sad. It's sad looking at Paul Dunn's world ranking now is 1,769. When you look at it, like guys that are ahead of him, like Simon Thornton is ahead of him and David Carey and um, Gary Hurley, Johnny Yates, Gav Moyne and Connor. But like he's such a talent. Like literally three slots below Paul Dunn on the official golf world rankings is Timmy Rice. Really? Wow. That like and yeah, no disrespect to Tim Rice. No, but no. Simon Thornton doesn't even practice. <laughs> like I know, he's yeah. literally driving the. <laughs> With his win this year, the, the win on the Euro Pro really catapulted him up. Like Simon Thornton, like and players from the Republic of Ireland, you know they sort of mix the list up that way. But like Thornton's up to like eight hundred and eighty-three in the world or something like that. It's yeah, crazy. That's mad, isn't it? It's crazy, but um, yeah, like. Hopefully Dunner shows shows a bit over the winter and, and gets back in, gets a few nice invites for the start of next year and just kicks on. Because his game is up to that, and he is he is that type of player. He just needs to rip it up and start again. Yeah, he must be torn like of all his confidence at the minute, whatever's happening. He is definitely too good a player to be gone that way. Yeah. But it was, yeah, it's been just a rough year um, for a lot of those boys, especially that Walker Cup team, like Gav Moynihan. Cormac Sharvins had a really bad year out of nowhere. Like he seemed to be trending in exactly the way you would have wanted him to. Like Harrington is sixty eighth on the race to the boy Dubai there ahead of most of those lads. And yeah. he's in the field this week in Portugal with Caldwell and that's it. Other boys don't even have a chance to tee up. Well, this is the horrible part. So like right, we're talking about world rankings. Niall Kearney is one of the biggest climbers world ranking wise this year from an Irish perspective. So um like, Niall Kearney's ranked ahead of John Murphy, obviously. Just ahead of him in the world ranking. So he's just outside the top 400. He started off 1,264 this year. So there's a guy who has done everything right, made the most of limited starts. He had a very weak category in the European Tour, having made the end of 2019, made the cut in the final round of the Q school. The last Q school to be hit. So... Like, he's sitting in now 131st in the race to Dubai. He missed the cut by a shot at the weekend. And he's just getting dicked now. He's not into Portugal uh, next week. He's not getting into Dubai the week after the sort of secondary Dubai tournament. So there's two tournaments there, and he's just sitting watching his rank and fade away. And all the years' work of trying to build and make a card, like, disappear. Like, the man has won 166 grand for the year from 15 events, made nine cuts. Like... It's so sad that I rang him just before this and I said, any chance he getting in any, any smoke at all about getting in? He says, no, it doesn't look likely I'll get in next week. Like To have to sit out and watch your season sort of fading away and not being given the opportunity, he'd be happier to go and miss bow cuts by 10 shots than sit at oh, home and let someone else 100% overtake no, you. Like. Not, exactly, you're not being given the chance. It's amazing given Ireland's connection with Portugal and uh, golf scores and all the rest of it that no one... Knows a man like if someone got a job for a mate, like it's but he's crazy. constantly he seems to be constantly getting dicked by politics and golf. Yeah, like the, two years ago, the uh, Irish Open when that went to Galgorm, um, like he didn't get into that field, and he was one of the only I was looking through it, he's one of the only Irish players with a conditional, like a main European tour ranking. I don't know what the exact ranking was that didn't get into that field in 2020. Um, like, nah, it is sad off the back of as you say. Well, like what this he's is done his this best year deserves it. Oh, 100%. Like how Team Ireland can put the same level of money into 
a select number of people to try and give them a leg up. And they know, like, there has to be some sort of contingency with the way we fund golf professionally here. That, Like, when somebody needs starts that either Tourism Ireland, Folger Ireland, uh, whoever we're dealing with at the, the top level that are actually sponsoring and funding European tour events have some starts in their back pocket that when a guy is close to doing something that will benefit us all by claiming exactly. another European tour card, that they throw the kitchen sink at it and don't let it be starts and politics that keep him out because he's played well enough to, to, to warrant his place in Portugal next week. It, like this is a, a million euro, million and a half euro prize it's, it's fund. peanuts on, Absolutely. The, on the calendar. Yeah, so like this, is, it's not like you're trying to buy him into some Rolex no. event no. or something. This is like lowest of the low. Yeah, and he's and struggling he can't to get, get in. He can't get in. Like yeah. it, it's, it's so sad. It is really, really bad, but like... No, I agree with what you're saying about that funding. Like if the... I don't get the blanket rule of like yeah we have whatever fifteen players whatever it is everyone gets fifteen grand like there has to be categories of like th- this a guy has a chance this yeah. one doesn't yeah like there hundred percent has to be and yeah like it's been highlighted here what is he nine places outside yeah nine places when you take stand. when you strip out all the Americans and all the guys that aren't full European tour members but are on the race to Dubai yeah he's nine nine spots out so it's not an awful lot of money it's not an awful lot of not it's a just lot at all. No, it's, it's you think, yeah, like you're saying, with the connections with Portugal, with the Don Pedro group, um, you know, with the course where it's going to be played. Like, Porig's a past winner, Shane's a past winner. You think someone would pull some strings and just say, "Get this lad in, get this lad in." Like yeah. we have to, the powers that be have to when they're renegotiating all these things going into say Irish Open next year, when they're renegotiating all this and they have new sponsors and they've. Like Tourism Ireland and Falch Ireland are putting money behind that event. They have to have a bargaining chip of a couple of starts and a few other events just in case something like this happens. Big time. And it just like, makes common sense. I, I know we have our green tinted glasses on or whatever, but I did, when we were talking about this um, pre-record, I was thinking like, oh, maybe Niall, like since the Irish Open, like you missed the cut there, it, in my head is like, ah, oh, he hasn't really kicked on. Looking at the last five performances... Tied 8th at the Hero in August, start of August. Tied 35th at the Kazoo, tied 29th at the Czech, tied 12th at the Dutch Open, and then he missed the cut last year. But he tied 12th at the Dutch Open on the 19th of September. Then he has to wait over a month to get a start at Mallorca and miss the cut by his shot. Like, it's yeah. brutal. No, like, it is. It's so harsh. It's cutthroat. Yeah, no, it's really unfortunate. But yeah, if I didn't, to be honest, I'd be lying if I said I saw anything at the Mallorca Open. I didn't. I saw Jeff Winter, the winner, was locked in the jacks for 45 minutes in yeah. Santa Ponza. I think I've been there before. Um, but, yeah, fair play to him. Um, Funny but, story. Ah. People mightn't have read it, so you may develop into that. What happened? Yeah, well, I don't exactly know what happened, but him and his wife managed to lock themselves <laughs> into a toilet that didn't have a lock in the door, apparently, and the two kids were outside in the room, and he's trying to bang the door down, can't, so he gets the six-year-old to go downstairs to the lobby to get the staff to let him in, and he's thinking, Jesus Christ, I'm leading the tournament for the first time ever on a Sunday. And I'm stuck in the yeah, jacks. Yeah, I'm stuck in the jacks here, I can't get out. But uh, yeah, the hotel porter, whatever, broke down the door for him, and he got there on time. Talk about a stressful start to your day, holy oh. God. Um, but no, well done to him. Um, and yeah, so we're on to Portugal, and as I said, it was on, it's only Harrington and Johnny Caldwell in there. Um, Johnny Caldwell looks to have lost his form completely now after a really good run over the summer, but um, he'll still have like slim hopes of getting into the Tour Championship end of the year. We're pretty much done. Two events, then the Tour Championship. Yeah. These two events were pittance. Tour Championship's up near $10 million. So. 
big money if you can get there. It's mad to think that Harrington could legitimately be there. I know, yeah. like it's insane. <laughs> he's like Benjamin Button, like he just <laughs> he just doesn't. But he is the next, like Harrington is the next Bernard Langer on that seniors tour. He will be winning into his sixties because yeah. he just he eats, sleeps, drinks, breathes golf. Yeah, just there's nothing else matters. Just golf, 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 big time. And it, like his mobility and all, will be even yeah. better than Langer's. He um, looks after himself. Like. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Fair play to Langer. I was going to go on to that later, but may as well just take him off the box. Won the Dominion Energy Classic. Good stat. 42 European Tour wins. Did you see that? No. And he has 42 PJ Champions wins now as well. That's Six, crazy. 64 years young. 42 wins in the Champions Tour. Isn't like that, that mad? Is. Oh, he'd be up over $30 million now easily. He's made more that. money in the Champions Tour, obviously, than he has. Like, a lot more money yeah. than he has on his main European Tour career. Oh, big. It's like those legendary football. Like, if Paul Gascoigne like, could manage to keep himself well and it was an over <laughs> 50s. Like the father Ted, uh, over 75s <laughs> or whatever it was. He could be making proper money now. Won't talk um, about football. Oh no! Don't God. talk about football. Oh, football. <laughs> a lot of a great, great week for Liverpool. Oh, um, and on the champions as well, Darren Clark, another good week for him. Tied eleventh. He's tenth on the money list. Um, as things stand, there's only two events left. Next week, he defends the Timber Tech. Um, he has three wins, eight top tens from thirty events, just shy of two million made. So life is good for Clark. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of it on that. So Zozo, did you watch any of the Zozo? I did. I watched bits of it to be honest, little bits. Not obviously didn't stay up watch it live or do anything. But uh, yeah, it was a good win for Hideki and good. the tournaments. That as was well. great. Well, the tournaments done. Like when you look, I couldn't believe. Yeah, I remember Tiger winning and Cantley. I just totally missed last year. But Tiger Cantley Hideki yeah. are the three champions of that tournament. Turning like, out real. Wins, they are like. the sponsors' dream. Oh, hundred percent. Like Zozo, whatever Zozo do, they're doing the right thing. Absolutely not. And like the Zozo, like what is the the meaning behind it? Is it to grow the game in Japan or whatever? Like it did exactly what it said in the tin this week. Like it's not a particularly tough test to golf or anything. Hideki said before the tournament he was going into it. Like if my game at the Masters was a ten, my game feels like it's a one this week. And he's gone out and won. I'd love round. to know what his game felt like at the Olympics then. Because like he was, you know, I'd say he was devastated not to win an Olympic medal. And to go back here and to win this tournament in front of his home fans, yeah, a little bit of, you know, a little oh, bit of payback. But yeah. like if he didn't win that tournament, they slayed him over there. Like, he, he did, like he'd, you'd fallen your sword over there for not, not delivering in front fallen of your, your, samurai your sword. flag. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, there, there's huge pressure on him. Like, we've talked about it before with the amount of media travel to see him at a major. I guess with COVID, like, he didn't really have that this year at the Masters when he won. But now it looks like he can take this in his stride. Hideki would be a multiple major winner now. Like, his ball striking just off the charts. Yeah, no, it was it was seriously good. It was, and it's just as finished the way he finished off the tournament as well. Because like there was a stage on the back nine that I did watch in the highlights. Like he wasn't winning that tournament comfortably. He was a shot down, mm. um, you know, middle of the back nine, and he just started reeling off birdies, eagle the last five shot win, bam. I think he's one shot off or one win off KJ Choi now is the most ever wins by an Asian on the PGA Tour or something. So he has that to chase. No, it's proper. Um, but no, back to matters more local. Europro, Dermot yeah. McElroy, pretty gutted about this. Like we've been covering this for the year, and it just feels like devastated. Yeah, from the man has been from. leading the marathon, yeah. and he's been pipped on the line. This is the unfair. T- now I know it's 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 mapped out at the start of the. Year. It is what it is. But the unfair side of the Europro, like you look at Dermot McElroy's stats, and 
like there's no one on that tour with a better stat ratio when you when you combine them all up you know sort of way of scoring of money made all that there's very few ahead of them then you take him into so yeah top five qualified they're giving away 10 grand a week first place yeah and then you go in and a half now but yeah, yeah I know. but you go into the final at slaley hall this last week and like it's a 150 grand event like it's literally the winner's getting 30 grand 40 grand yeah so it's so literally if you qualify last in 60th spot and just qualify for the tour championship at the end and win it which has happened two years ago yeah you can still get I, your challenge frog everyone yeah you just straight up to start. i think that's wrong i i don't agree with it i know why they're doing it but it's so unfair that you give up everything for a season and literally i think he's finished seventh on the list yeah so he'll um, get conditional status but no he's talked about that before like if you were to finish every event like in eighth position, you wouldn't be near that top five. Like you have to throw yeah. in a win. You have to do something. Like everything is so top heavy. Johnny Caldwell used to give out think about it as well. But yeah, so he gets category 20 status on the challenge tour. Like He might get five or six it, starts and he's uh, like he's not in Team Ireland. No, and according to Michael Howe, it's 1,300 euro a start, he reckons, is what it costs him on the challenge tour. That's what Michael Howe said this year. So like, yes, it's a reward, but again, you're going to have to win or else you're just losing money. Yes, I know. I feel I feel sorry for Dermot, but like he showed some serious signs when we were in Port Marnock this year for the He's um, the Irish Challenge. Like he should have easily kicked on in that. I think he'll learn a lot from this year, and he'll reflect on his game hopefully over the winter and come out fighting next year. Yeah. Johnny Caldwell is a perfect example. Yeah. This exact thing happened to Johnny three years ago. Yeah, and then he kicked on, and then he literally bypassed the Challenge Tour, won at Q School. So you'd hope he has a good season next year. We've no Q School. Yeah. No Q school again this year, but when that kicks in, you'd hope they change things a little on the Euro Pro Tour just to make it a little fairer on guys that have literally delivered all year. Yeah, and he has. Now, he wasn't ever present in the leaderboard. He did have a hole in one the last day. Yeah. Got himself an Got a TV. Apple TV and an Apple Watch. <laughs> I'm sure he's delighted. Oh, stop. <laughs> yeah, what a bizarre gift. But um, ah, he'll be sick. I did like 78, 76, and then she was a 65 the last day. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, gooding. That's golf, though. And especially this time of year, it's just, like, it's sink or swim time. Um, I'm going to touch it. A lot happened on women's golf over the last few days. Yep. Um, no joy for Olivia Mahaffey. Just didn't seem to have her game at all at Q School. So she's going to go down the Symmetra route, which I, d- I don't think she'll have a full status, but she'll have a lot of starts on it. And again, no more than John Murphy on Challenge Tour. I think it's a good route. Leona went Leona down. Went, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Won twice on it. Just kind of ease yourself into it. She probably live out of Arizona, is what Olivia said. Like that feels like her second home now. College, just yeah, stay close to her mates. That's exactly. Good. Oh yeah, why not? Um, so yeah, unlucky, obviously, but yeah, she has a ton of potential. Um, Leona McGuire. So LPGA was in Busan, South Korea. No joy for Leona. I don't know if Leona. Like since the Solheim, it seems like she kind of. Like that was her high, and like it's kind of been a disjointed schedule since. Yeah, then. she's doing a lot of traveling and messing as yeah. well. Like to go there, I seen like she was like six, seven hours traveling last night. I was seeing her Instagram stories this morning, and she's, I think she's back in Florida now. They have an event this week or next week, isn't it? Next week. So that's the thing. Like it's another break. Like it, November eleventh is the next event, yeah. and that's the second last event of the season. So yeah, it's a bit of an odd run in for the LPGA players. She d- doesn't seem to have any rhythm going at the minute. 
but you wouldn't put it past her winning yeah. still. Like she's good enough. Down two places the sixteenth on the race to see me Grobe. Um and yeah. I don't know, like still, in the, regardless of what happens with Leon. Oh, her like season, season is phenomenal regardless, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, changing the order on the women's world rankings as well, Jin Young-Ko back to world number one. Um, she Her form is outrageous. Last seven starts, she's been sixth or better six times, one four, 21 of 25 rounds in the 60s, birdie or better on 28% of her holes played, 90 that's under par for the, the that's run. That's John Murphy form. Uh, it is John Murphy. <laughs> you were reading that 67, 67, 67. <laughs> like, yeah. like a newsreader reading off the scores. Oh, that's so crazy. That's, yeah, Justin Ray from Twitter. Um, But, yeah, fair play to her. Nelly Corda, no more. South Koreans rock. Um, And just on the college scene, Miami, Sarah Burns, so Douglas Golfer, she tied tenth at the White Sands NCAA, and she led the field with fifteen birdies for the week. So that deserves a shout out. She's playing now. Ireland have a team at the Spirit International in Texas. Starts on November fourth. Paul Clocklin, Enniscorthy, Anya Dunigan, Lahinch, Sam Murphy, Portumna are on the team. Twenty countries represented. Happening right now. We have Elm Park's Anna Foster shot sixty nine first rounder. Best score in her collegiate career so far. That's ongoing at the old Waverly. So if anyone's interested in any of this kind of thing, US collegiate golf is kind of only getting going. Like it keeps us going, taking over, over on the website. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, And there's some class stuff happening. And just to point out, Rose Zhang, who's Stanford, have you seen her? A freshman, mm. won her first three events. She is a, an absolute freak show. Unbelievable <laughs> golfer. Number Stanford. One, number Another Stanford one. killing machine. Exactly. Number one in the world. She was born in 2003. It's a joke. <laughs> 2003. Um, did you see the three lads as well before we'll get into heroes and villains now in a second on the wrap-up? Um, guys all fell at the second stage of the Corn Ferry Tour as well. So yeah. Connor Purcell, um, Paul, Paul McBride. McBride and Tom McEwen all yeah. just fell up short of that. So. That would have been class as well. Like they've pumped a bit of extra money into the prize funds and stuff next year. It'd be a great apprenticeship. It would not even an apprenticeship. Like you're actually making. Oh money yeah, on that it's tour. Bi- it's bigger than the challenge tour. Like. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So it's great to see some of the lads actually going over and trying to do it. They can see it's probably now it's tougher to get onto. The fields are deeper and the qualification is probably deeper. But it's great that they're looking at that as well and it fits the schedule that you can have a go at that. Plus next year do Q school as well and. Yeah, uh, try all that. So yeah, it's good. Now a lot of those lads will have starts. Um, also starting this week, the Butterfield Bermudas on G Mac and Seamus Power are playing in that. Um, I'd one loose end to tie up from last week. Do you see P Count coming out? Reports of my death are greatly yeah. exaggerated. He did it like he did a column for a paper in Dubai. I seen it was like, very weird. Yeah. yeah. It's very strange. So he claims that anyway that Rory McIlroy has not fired him, that he doesn't see all his players all the time. And we kind of said that as well, mm. that he just, he'll just he dip in and out of it. That sounds a bit wrong. He'll dip in and out of it, lad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, he's still very much in Rory McIlroy's team by the sounds of that interview. Just not at the top of the queue in his team anymore now. He's back behind Bannon. He was in front of him there a few months ago now. It's like exactly. Bannon's like a back in the queue there, bitch. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> he's my man. Rory's my man. Uh, no, it's good to see. No, it is, and it'll serve Rory well. Heroes and villains, I only have one hero. Well, John Murphy's a hero. Well done to John Murphy. Oh, yeah. There was also a, a dad I saw. I was thinking of you carrying his golf clubs while pushing the pram for 18 holes. <laughs> that was top-class multitasking. Gives me hope that if any day I have a young sprog that I might be still able to swing the golf club. So good news there. Well done, Dad. I wouldn't be able to do that because I've four them crawling around. It'd be like ants going everywhere. Like you just can't control them. <laughs> I brought two of them to Tesco yesterday and it was carnage. I was like, no, <laughs> right, I'm not doing this again. 
<laughs> not happening. Oh god. Villains. I know we're we're both we're on the villain count now. This is good. This is uh so the Saudis always get a mention, but I see the boys eight players looking for permission to play the Saudi invitational, so you've all of the I thought they were asking for permission to grow the game in Saudi. <laughs> I didn't think they were even cared about the playing. No. Literally, Armco Bank have sent, we've already sent the funds transfer, lads. You have to come, you're, defi- you're past jamming. So GMAC and DJ apparently are leading the posse. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> where do I begin? The but rage the, is bubbling. The PGA Tour have said if anyone goes, they're going to lose their membership of the PGA Tour. Now, there is no way. Dustin Johnson says, listen, these guys are paying me two million quid, I'm a past champion. Yeah. This was a co-sanctioned event last year. You can't tell me I can't go back to defend my title. I'm going. There is no way in the world they are going to ban or revoke his tour membership on the no. PGA Tour. Not a chance. So, like, I'm all against the Saudi invitation. It's a full Asian tour event now, so they couldn't get their way into the PGA Tour, European Tour. They've joined forces. They've told them to piss off. Yeah. So now they've gone, right, Asian Tour is on its knees, right, let's do this. They and pumped and $100 million into like, that Asian Tour. Literally. Like, they could have just set up their own tour. Oh well, they're still tra- apparently. I was listening no laying up on the way in the like Super Golf League, Primary Golf League, whatever golf league it is. There's a lot of things happening behind the scenes right now in golf, and like you can see, like the, every week there seems to be a new bonus for PGA Tour players. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll oh, play a few events, and we'll give you fifty grand or whatever. Like, there's all these ways they're trying to fight this. I know something from is happening. Um, we did a piece of the Alliance Officers Golf Challenge was on last week and I did it like a Q&A with McGinley at it and I know from talking to him in the next two weeks we're going to get like one of the biggest European Tour press releases that we've ever got so it'll involve Irish Open it'll involve scheduling it'll involve like co-sanction stuff yeah. all that like you know the Scottish thing that we got fed the Genesis all that was tip of the iceberg compared to what's coming in the next two weeks so there are big things happening schedule-wise and sort of uh, keep the Saudis out-wise. Yeah, I'd like you. They're quite vocal as well. Like, talking to... Guy, like, McGinley's on the board of the European Tour. Very vocal, like, which you wouldn't expect No. against... Like, in an open room, it wasn't a one-on-one conversation. It was 100 people there, and he was chatting away, and he was very vocal on keep the Saudis out. It very much is a siege, though, on the traditionalists yeah. and those jobs. Like, he knows... Big time. Um, and it, like the talk is that a few players that have come out against the idea of Super Golf League and all that have since been turned, and now they're very much Saudi loyal. No, so they, this is what I'm hearing. A real journalist <laughs> would investigate fans. this. Newcastle yeah, fans, exactly. There. Newcastle fans. Lee Westwood. Ah, oh, stuff. But even Up some there of those close house, yeah. all that Saudi cash. <laughs> some of those players, though, of the eight, like you, Kevin Nath, Henrik Stenson, like the, all these boys, like. They can play whatever Saudi off. golf league they want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'll even G Mac. Ah, yeah. Sorry, Graham. Sorry, <laughs> like, like, but they're like, you know, it's when someone like DJ at the top of the world rankings is demanding to go. Apparently, why like, wouldn't he? Sure, the money I know. he's making. Yeah, like, I know. Yeah, and sure, DJ has never read up on Saudi politics. Like, he's one man I'd actually give a pass to. But other people should know better. Tommy Fleetwood should know better. Disappointed in him wanting to go over and play it. That's the missus making those decisions, you see. There you go. Any, the crust. any woman advocating <laughs> a trip to Saudi now, my God. But yeah, no, I think they're worthy villains. I actually was going to 
um, mention the world handicap system, but I feel like we need to do an entire podcast on that. Yeah, we're ourselves. definitely going to. We're definitely going to. Like, um, seems like the the scores are still piling in. Anyway, the, the Spanish Armada is flying anyway uh, from uh, our side. Stop! We were infiltrated. We were infiltrated there at our event series last week. We were. Yeah, they, they had the last laugh. Well done, lads. You, you got us. Yeah, yeah you right. Us. We love the last laugh, boys. We love the last laugh. Um, yeah, so that's it for this week. There's nothing else really to touch on, is there? No, no, that's it. It was great to have John on. Um, and yeah, keep up to date with all the latest. As you'd say, Pete, yeah. you can side her off. <laughs> so yeah, if you want to keep up to date with all the latest news, as always, visit irishgolfer.ie or any of our social channels at Irish Golfer Mag. Until next week, talk to you soon. Cheers for tuning in.